Welcome to the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Chris Ashley. I'm the Director of Congregational Engagement here at our church and the host of this podcast each and every week. If you are just tuning in for the first time, we are in week two of a series where we're walking through the Beatitudes which is the opening sentiment, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, perhaps and arguably the most uh, famous sermon ever preached in a lot of ways. And so uh, last week we started by giving a little bit of background and structure to the Sermon on the Mount, and we talked about the very first beatitude. So I'm not going to rehash all all of that. But what I do want to remind you is that a beatitude, the word beatitude, means just simply a state of utmost bliss, right? This blessedness. Uh, But I also talked about how I used to thought it was uh, the be attitudes, the attitudes that you should be, which I think is, uh, I'm going to continue to to hammer that nail uh, through this series because I think it's just such a it's a childlike idea, but it's also kind of a good idea. And just a reminder that this, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching this to convey this is the what he is expecting as like the ideal character of a disciple. So these are the things that he says, hey, for my disciples, this is the ideal situation that you are going to be in. So each beatitude is going to have a specific quality of a blessed person, and then it's going to talk about a reward for embracing this quality, or maybe reward's not uh, totally the right word, but just some kind of uh, benefit or what's going to happen as a result of embracing this quality. So I'm going to read the entire set of beatitudes, and then we'll jump into beatitude number two. uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So last week we talked about the poor in spirit, and this week we're getting to uh, chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. So the first question I want us to look at this uh, on this episode, while we're talking about mourning, what causes mourning? Well, I think there's two answers here. First off is the uh, the obvious answer, right? The the worldly mourning, right? You uh, you have something and you experience some kind of sadness. Perhaps that's over a loss of some kind, maybe a job loss, maybe a relationship loss. Maybe you've lost a loved one, a family member or a friend. But mourning can be 
it's something that certainly this worldly morning is something we all experience several times throughout our life, right? It's everyone experiences it at some point. Yes. But I feel like we, we experience it a lot. Um, for me personally, um, I have experienced a lot of you all know the, the loss of my dad last fall. I've experienced the loss of a child, um, a, a, a pregnancy, if you will. I experienced the last the loss of my biological father while I was in college. So I've I've lost two different um, dads in my life. I've obviously lost uh, grandparents. I've lost some friends. I remember having a friend pass away in high school. Um, so you know we all experience that kind of loss. I've I've lost out on not even lost jobs, but lost out on job opportunities that I was really excited about and things that I felt like I was going to get. And like, there's a lot of grief that comes in those moments, you know? So there's worldly mourning. And ultimately though, I don't think that's what this verse is about, right? And, and that's that's what I, w- I want to talk about for a second is uh, what I like to call hallmark verses, right? This is a hallmark verse. This is a verse that you might slap on a, uh, on a hallmark card, right? On a, on a, sorrow card or a get well soon card, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, someone who like myself in my situation with my dad in the fall, it would have been not unusual for someone to send me a card or a note or a text message that said, Hey, bless, blessed are those who mourn for they're going to be comforted. Right. And I can read this verse and I can go, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sad. And Jesus is going to comfort me. And that's, that's true. That's true. It can be true and also not be what what this verse is talking about. You see, I, I think instead of worldly mourning, what we're reading about here is more of a spiritual mourning, right? This is this mourning is, and the reason I say this is you you read this in the context of of what this passage is about. You read it in context of the verses around it. Again, I, like I told you, this this section is about the ideal character of a disciple. This is a spiritual mourning. This is a mourning over sin. Blessed are those who mourn over sin. What sin? Well, our own sin, first and foremost, um, but also the sins of others, right? You you mourn over, uh, you could mourn over the, the state of the world, if you will. You can look around and go, man, I wish people were not enslaved to sin, so you're mourning over your own sin. You're mourning over the sins of others. And we have to be really careful. We have to be really careful when we mourn over the sins of others. I always like to um, I always like to tell stories on myself because I feel like it's much better than telling stories on other people. Uh, I, I remember back in the seventh grade, and I used to tell people, this is one of the reasons I um, hated middle school, quite frankly. <laughs> but in the seventh grade, you know, I was... A, uh, a young kid who had grown up in church my whole life. And seventh grade, from sixth grade to seventh grade, was the transition of children's ministry into youth ministry. And I remember stepping into youth ministry and, you know, really just diving in headfirst and had a lot of uh, older, older guys in the youth group that I looked up to. I looked up to my youth pastor, you know, and I felt like I really needed to just embrace this identity as a, as a Christian. And as a seventh grader, what I thought that meant was um, being very uh, condemning and judgmental of others, right? And 
I think sometimes when we mourn over other sin, we have to, it's a it's a it's a fine line between saying, "Man, I hate that people are are captured by the shackles of sin," and going, "Look at those people! I can't believe they're such sinners." There's an old uh, <laughs> there's an old set of videos where someone had taken a a Jesus film of some sort and dubbed over it. We used to use them in youth group sometimes. Um, and, and there's a scene where Jesus is walking out to the disciples and whoever's dubbed over the voice says, look at all these sinners. <laughs> and I feel like that's how I was as a seventh grade kid who didn't, wasn't mature enough in my faith to understand what really mourning over the sins of others looked like. So we're mourning here, the spiritual mourning over our sin and over the sins of others. And what happens? Blessed are those who have this kind of mourning, for they shall be comforted. Now, you remember last week we talked about um, you know, verses 3 and, and uh, verse 10, the, the, front, the first and last verses, the, the promise there, the tag there at the end is, for theirs is... And all the rest of these in the middle is for they shall. So this is a this is a promise of something that it's a it's a if if then situation, right? When you mourn, you shall be comforted. You're, you're granted when you're mourning over sin. You're you're granted pardon. You're granted peace. You're granted restored purity, and you're granted freedom. I went to, I may have talked about this uh, over the last week or so, I, I can't remember, but I, I went to a men's conference um, a couple weekends back and the theme was freedom. And we talked a lot about what freedom in Christ really means. And that, you know, we, Christianity and faith, walking our faith is con- this constant battle of do I lean into grace or do I lean, in, do I lean into faith or do I lean into works, right? And you'll find that people, there's not too many people that hold that those two things in great tension. Some people think you got to really, you got to live a life where you're just doing a lot of, you're living the best version of your life you can for Jesus. And there's some people that'll sit back and go, hey, listen, I'm saved by grace. God unconditionally has saved me. And it doesn't really matter if I screw up. And I think, I think there's a delicate balance there, right? Like I don't think our works justify our faith, but I do think, um, that there is there is some element of like this this freedom this freedom of of Jesus saves us and therefore we don't have to go back to that we don't have to pretend like we're still in those shackles we don't have to we don't have to necessarily um, feel like we're carrying this weight around all the time of trying to live up to some expectation right. But it goes to this idea, when I, when I read this idea of mourning and shall be comforted and granting this peace and, and purity and freedom, um, it, it goes back to John Wesley's ideas of justification and sanctification, right? Uh, Wesley believes that, believed that you, know, you were justified, right? You are saved from your sins. And at the point in which you are justified and you enter into this lifetime relationship with Jesus, you begin the process of sanctification. And sanctification is um, the process of, of kind of stripping your sins away, right? Overcoming your temptations, getting closer and closer to God, looking, looking more and more like Jesus. And the way I always like to explain sanctification is, Um, and and this is because I always, I always say like, are there things that you can kind of overcome 
Of course there are. Are there sins that maybe you struggle with that you could work really hard and have some accountability and God could remove those temptations out of your life? A hundred percent. I've had it happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in other people's lives, right? Like the easiest version to me to think about that is like people who fall into addiction, right? And and that addiction could be anything. It could be gambling. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be pornography. It could be any kind of addictive thing. I know because I know people in this situation. I have family members in this situation who overcome that addiction. Therefore, like that is no longer a sin that they struggle with. And so you could say in a lot of ways, the sanctification means now, okay, now I've stripped that sin away. But here's what I always have kind of thought about sanctification. The closer I get to God, okay, imagine, imagine, I know the, the view of heaven being in the sky is is very much a, a a scene of culture, right? That's not necessarily, like, I don't think when we die, we're going to float out of our bodies and fly up through the clouds and into space and then into some realm that is heaven. I, I don't think that's practically what heaven is, but let's just use that analogy for a moment, right? God is above us. Sanctification to me is as I get closer to God, right, in theory, I struggle with less and less sin. Well, the problem with that is this is this is what, how I like to think about it. If I'm standing on the ground, imagine yourself standing on the ground and you look to your left and you look to your right and you have a field of vision, right? You can see, depending on how clear it is, how many things are in your way, you can only see a certain distance away, right? And, and even if you can see all the way out to the horizon, at some point, there's a line of this is as far as you can see. And if I move, if I have a little uh, a flag and if I march the flag all the way far, at some point, you won't be able to see that flag anymore. So I have a field of vision standing here on the ground. Now, let's imagine that all of the things I can see are my sin, the sin that I struggle with. Now, as I overcome some of this sin... I move theoretically closer to God. So let's levitate ourselves up off the ground, right? I've, I've overcome this sin of addiction, so I'm going to levitate myself 100 feet up off the ground. Now that I'm 100 feet up in the air, can I see further? Is my field of vision bigger or smaller? It's bigger, right? I can see further out than I can because of the angle I'm at, right? I've risen up into the sky, but I can see further. Like think when you're in a plane. As you're taking off in a plane, you can you can see far more than you can see standing on the ground. Same thing if you go to like the Eiffel Tower or the Sears Tower or any kind of tower, really. You, you go up up to the top of a very tall building, you can see much more of the area. So the way that I think of it is there are sins in our lives that we may not even realize we struggle with. We not, may not even realize they're sins, but as we get sanctified, as we move closer to Jesus... Yeah, maybe there's some things we don't struggle with anymore, but I think we also start to see things we didn't even realize were a problem in our life, right? The closer I get to Jesus, the more the things that I thought maybe were not necessarily issues, the more I go, wow, you know, if I'm really trying to be like Jesus, that thing that I thought wasn't a big deal kind of seems like it might be a little bit bigger of a deal than I thought it was. So I've always used that picture for sanctification for me. That that was quite the tangent, <laughs> um, but just something I've always thought about. And so as I'm mourning over my own sin and as I'm being comforted and I'm seeking this sanctification, I may see more sin. Now, I have freedom from that sin. I don't have to worry about that sin pulling me back down, but it doesn't mean I don't want to fight against it, right? And try, like, at this at this retreat, we talked about this analogy of being a slave to sin and imagine you're captured you're in this jail cell. It's all you've ever known. You've been captured by sin and you are rescued and sent out. 
does that mean you're not going to encounter sin again? Of course not, right? If if sin is the enemy, of course you're going to get. But it doesn't mean that you, that's your nature. He talked about like sin nature. You no longer have a sin nature. You're free from that. Are you going to be tempted by sin? Or are you going to encounter sin? Of course, you have to fight. You have to continually fight that battle. But you can be free from that. So anyway, that I have I have digressed enough. Um, here's the here's the last thing I want to say about this beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This beatitude to me is at its core, the gospel message, right? Blessed are those who mourn, who mourn over sin, for they shall be comforted, right? You mourn over sin, you repent. Repent and then receive. Receive the comfort of Christ. I mean, it, it's 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 so basic, and it is the gospel message here. Repent and receive. Mourn and be comforted. So what's the takeaway here? Well, the takeaway for me is, are you mourning over your sin? Are you mourning over the sins of others? And not in a way of condemnation, but over a genuine distraught over the state that they are in and a desire for them to not be captives to the sin that entangles. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this week for week two of the Beatitudes. I hope you'll come back next week where we are going to talk about the meek. That will be a fun one. So until next time, grace and peace to you all.